peace, my people. You're tuning in to I Must Be Bugging, where black, gifted, and otherwise neurodivergent folks celebrate our special flavors. If you've ever questioned your perspective in a world built for the masses, welcome home. I'm your host, Sheldon Gay, and I appreciate you joining me on this journey as a late-identified black, gifted man. Together, we'll rewrite the script on neurodiversity by celebrating our differences, challenging the status quo, and breaking free from old narratives that label us as deficient. In each episode, we'll explore the stories, experiences, and of course, the curiosities of black gifted adults and other neurodivergent people who are underrepresented or unidentified in a world where normal can also mean harmful. So continue with me on this journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and acceptance. I Must Be Bugging is creating safe spaces, sparking conversations, and making sure our voices are heard. Welcome back for part two of my interview with Dr. Dave Hester. If you haven't had a chance, go ahead and listen to part one and then join us again for part two. It'll make the conversation one simply make more sense, but you'll get the full picture of what Dave is sharing. Um, if you have already listened to part one, enjoy the rest. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, it's, it's just really helpful because uh, I think where particularly the closer that the folks are to us, right? The more that we feel that love energy, the harder it is to see them on that edge, right? Um, you know, fumbling around like, you know, am I am I getting there? And, you know, you're like, dude, like you're on the edge, like back up and you're like, I, you know, sometimes they've got to kind of stick that foot out and feel like, oh, wait, there's nothing there. And like, hopefully pull themselves back where sometimes, yep. you know, they've got to figure out how to fly, you know, on their way down as it were, right? Like that seems kind of, I mean, crude, but I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like people, like you said, people have to be allowed to to walk their journey um, and, you know, kind of go from there. And there's even times, you know, where, um, I, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about me. I won't necessarily talk about other people, but I also um, am trying to make sure that I'm being aware of the times when someone did let me, you know, fall as it were, right? Mm-hmm. And realize that that wasn't necessarily a lack of care, right? It wasn't that they didn't care about me or that they were looking forward to me falling um, mm-hmm. and not hold them responsible for it, right? Um, and that is a key, you know, part of it as well, because sometimes it can feel like, wait, you, I'm down here with a broken arm and leg and you didn't <laughs> let me, you know, it's like, you know, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have anything else to, to say about that, but I, I thank you for, for, for sharing that. I think that'll be helpful for folks. I, I hope it's helpful. And I, I hope one yeah. other thing to be helpful is to say, yeah. uh, Challenge your perspective on people, meaning some people look at other people and they'll say, "What?" like you said, why, why didn't you help me? I'm falling. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do something? And then we sometimes project onto them. I needed help. I was abandoned. So I'm going to put, put something on you and challenge that perspective sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. we, we give other people a lot more power than I think they have. This is a great segue slash just like 
a great way to talk about um so like my kind of quote unquote prepared questioning is really around um I'll say it like this as neurodivergent people we see the world differently right mm-hmm. and so it necessarily means that there are going to be times when our worldview may not necessarily align with other people certainly but there may be times when uh, again I noticed you've seen this as a therapist right where it seems like life is, you know, whatever, treating somebody in, in a certain way, but the reality is maybe a little bit different. And I guess my, my question around that then is, you know, how does, how does one, um, or what are some, some affirming ways for us to walk that healing and, um, you know, thriving journey to, to go from a place where it does, you know, it does seem like all we have is our trauma or, you know, the, the fear, the anxiety, right. To move into a place where we say, again, I'm going to like, I'll look like, so for me, I'll, again, I'll speak about me. For me, one of the, the things that's challenging for me is because, you know, most people may see five possibilities. I may see 15 or 20 mm-hmm. when something happens. I'm like, you know, seeing this this wide swath, like from the good to the bad, right? And the the challenge becomes how do I make sure that I'm acknowledging all of them? Like I don't want to deny for me, I don't want to deny any of them as a possibility, but I want to make sure that in acknowledging them that I'm not identifying with them, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. um you know, telling myself that, well, this is what, this is what happened because, you know, I had this emotion come up. So this must be what happens. And I'm hoping that that's that. I mean, I see you nodding and not, no one else can see you nodding. I can see you nodding. Oh yeah. 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 I'm with you. So so, yeah, tell me, tell me, I mean, just uh, if, if you can share maybe a little bit about how, like I said, we can move from that, that space to where we can kind of heal and, and thrive a little bit more. Yes, you know, healing and thriving is a is a constant challenge, especially because you know, you're. <laughs> it really hit home with me when you, in your example, mm-hmm. uh, because because of how I think as well and my my background, I can be. I've been called I've been called cold and mm-hmm. scientific because something's brought up, and I'm like, I see twenty other ways where this can go. You know, risky. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about not identifying with it, that is the real challenge because mm-hmm. we want we want to identify. And mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge something too. We want to even Go identify ahead. with I'm a black man. That's my mm-hmm. part of my identity. Mm-hmm. But how much of that identity is really what I believe? How much of it is environmental? How mm-hmm. much of mm-hmm. it Mm-hmm. is just societal meaning systemic meaning that it's a kind of collected understanding that i'm mm-hmm. now adopting yep and yep. so when you talk about bringing that back to identifying small variables in a situation when you see the wide swath of options the best thing to do is to take a higher level view daniel kahneman talks about system one system two thinking kind mm. of uh, you kind of have this first thought like that's it this is where we're going to go and then you take a step back and so I always do this fun thing where I take a zoom out, meaning 
life's a game. Mm -hmm. Play the game how you will. Have fun, or the game's just not going to be fun. (laughs) Right, right. And (laughs) I've decided that one fun part of my game is, and if anyone's played like Grand Theft Auto 5, that's the most latest one, I believe. There's another one coming out. Mm -hmm. Complete side note. Grand Theft Auto is a horrible uh, (laughs) game. I I want to say that on on wax. It is a horrible game showing the just the 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 degradation and disgustingness of humans. Mm. With that being said, I've played each and every one of them (laughs) because it's a wonderful game, and I like to play it. I love this. I love this. Go ahead. ahead, ahead, ahead. We're such a we're such an interesting species. Yeah. Anyway, that's exactly exactly it. Go ahead. So bringing it back in Mm -hmm. Grand Theft Auto Five. If you're playing one of the characters, when you're bouncing from another character, it takes a higher view. You kind of get a mm. view of the entire map, and then you slowly you know, sink down into the player. So mm-hmm. I pretend that sometimes I can do that, where I can zoom out, and I can see, okay, if I identify with these negative tracks, what could that lead to? Oh, mm-hmm. well, I might get attached to it. I might start uh, compulsively thinking about it. Well, I'm losing sleep. Now I'm frustrated. Oh, no, I'm, d- I'm dipping into a depression. Maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't even the right answer. Mm-hmm. Or I take a, I take it and I identify with this positive variable. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is, this has got to work. I'm putting all my chips in this. I'm focused on it. I'm going to make it happen. And then it doesn't work. What happens when I have attachment to that and it doesn't mm-hmm. happen? That brings pain. Mm-hmm. That brings suffering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so yeah, that that's one way to do it is to, 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 do an experiment. We're doing experiments every day. This morning, mm-hmm. when you des- decided, and everybody, anyone listening, and I hope you're having fun you listening, <laughs> you decided to eat cereal, you were doing an experiment. You were like, hmm, you're making choices. You're experimenting. You're tinkering. Why don't we, we don't do it enough with our with our psyche, with our with our mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we want we, we want to fundamentally change physical objects. You know, anything that mm-hmm. we can tangibly hold. But the kind of the etheric, for lack of better words, or the things that we can't see that maybe aren't even corporeal, those things we we have trouble with. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's my one thing. No, that again, this is uh, you know, I love this conversation. Um, one of the things that you talked about that I thought was like a real like bang the gong moment was just talking about the the suffering around when we choose to identify with something like one of the biggest fears that folks have in this like healing thriving journey is if I choose this positive viewpoint let's say right I choose to identify with this positive viewpoint and it doesn't happen there's suffering in that and I don't that I don't want that. I've I've got enough of that, right? Like I'm doing that anyway. Why would I let me stay kind of in this safe zone? And I think one of the the best things is realizing, well, everything is like a crapshoot, right? Like you know, there's there's inherent risk in all of this, right? And I know sometimes mm-hmm. I've said that to people, and it's really frustrated them because it's like, yeah. you know, it it I, I, for me in my mind is because I'm exposing kind of that truth that they, that doesn't allow them to kind of hide in that. Um, or I don't want to say hot. I don't want to seem like it was a, like a lack of compassion around it because we all kind of have our safe spaces. But, you know, what I mean is that, you know, it reveals the fact that they're trying to hide from risk is a fool's errand, right? Like we, there is risk in everything. 
And so I know through my therapy, one of the things my therapist has really helped me to do is to say, yes, those things are possible, right? Those negative things or whatever might be possible, but you can't, there, you know, your possibilities of a positive outcome are significantly increased if you take this other, you know, this other option. Because we know what's going to happen. Like, approach, we know right. pretty much what's going to happen, right? So um, being aware that there may be a time where you choose the positive and something, you know, unexpected or undesired happens, but not kind of making that tell you that the story is not to do that, but just to say, well, again, I'm learning, I'm experimenting. This didn't work this time. It doesn't mean that the next time it won't work, or it doesn't mean that I can't make a tweak to write, um, but not thinking that pain or possible pain itself is the thing that kind of would keep us from doing it because, you know, pain and possible pain is 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 going to be in in any scenario that we we choose, right? So, um, it's in everything. Yeah, it's in, it's in everything. It's in it's in it's in everything, and that's again. I'm I'm just thinking about some conversations, like literally some conversations that I have where it was like, I'm sorry to say this, um, you know, but that's just kind of the reality of just the physical laws of this you know, this universe that there is, you know, there's no way to a hundred percent control the outcomes going forward. Um, you know, there's no way to do that with absolute certainty. So, um, except that, you know, I, I want to actually, I think, I don't know if you said Star Wars or Star Trek. I didn't say, no, you said Star Trek earlier, which I'm a Trekkie and uh, oh, 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 wonderful. I was about to say, I'm fluent in both. A little bit of okay, okay. I, I spoke <laughs> okay. a little bit at my wedding. My wife was like, you better stop. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. No problem. <laughs> I, I have stopped myself because I feel like I would learn Klingon and then I would, I would definitely be that guy. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, I was going to say one of my favorite, favorite moments in uh, Next Generation is when Data, so for those who don't know, Data is essentially like this android, right? And he, his, his, his a big part of his like story arc is about kind of learning to be human. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, he essentially in this episode is grappling with the fact that he did all these things, all the right things, made all the so-called like optimized decisions. And the thing still didn't turn out, you know, desirable. And so he's talking with Captain Picard and Picard basically says to him, you know, it's possible to do all things right and still not get, you know, the desired outcome. And that doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that, you know, you, you know, that's the part of life essentially, right? Like that's just a, a possibility, right? And um, it doesn't mean anything about, you or taking it personal yeah right right. right. there's no there's no reason to take right there's no reason for you to take that personal because when we accept the inherent risk and everything we realize that you know it's not that it's not that life is punishing me right it's not like not life teaching me like see you shouldn't have been like no it's like sometimes you can do everything right everything that could you know to your best of your abilities and stuff still doesn't go go your way and um that reminds I me think, of a. Go ahead. Uh, forgive me for jumping in, but this happened no, 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 last night. In two, in two, two ways, this happened last night. This is mm-hmm. this will date us a little bit in the future, but it was a Monday night <laughs> football game um, yeah. between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, and one of the secondaries 
did everything right. Secondaries being the person covering the, uh, you know the different different sides of uh, of the field, preventing mm-hmm. a wide receiver to tight end, you know, a receiver from catching mm-hmm. the ball. And they did everything right, but because mm-hmm. one of uh, Seattle's teammates was was, right, was right, there, right. it allowed his leg to kind of mm-hmm. basically he hit his teammate's leg. Mm-hmm. To then hit the ground and then boom they 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 they've got the the catch changes the, the trajectory of the mm-hmm. game, but that person did almost everything right and it just didn't mm-hmm. turn out. So that was one way. This mm-hmm. all happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. I went to I went shopping yesterday. Uh, went shopping, grabbed my stuff, realized I forgot most of it. I'm at a big box store wherever you are in the country or in the world, whatever that name is for you, Sam's, Costco, mm-hmm. BJ's, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's raining. It's forty. Two degrees, pretty much cold outside, and I decide to walk my groceries to my car. So you talk about making those decisions, and I said, "All right, if I walk now, I may be able to skip a little bit of the rain." I was wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in skipping my uh, skipping that uh, and trying or trying to skip the rain and get to the car, put the food in the car, I forgot to uh, add one element, which was I had ordered food, but the food had was taking a while, so mm. I had to go back. When I went back. They missed, missed, missed up the order. Fast forward, I ended up spending an extra 20 minutes in this big box store. Mm. Guy next to me spent 30 minutes. So again, there's always right. someone who's got a little worse than you. So okay. all, <laughs> even though we had a conversation. But I'm bringing this story up because it's rainy. It's dreary. People sometimes find that depressing. Uh, I mm-hmm. made a mistake in the time that I left, which elongated my, my time there. These mistakes mm-hmm. could have piled up. And mm-hmm. instead of beating myself up, taking it personally that maybe they gave my food away on purpose. They were trying right. to hurt me or right. um, the, it's raining on purpose because let, let's say I don't believe in God. This mm-hmm. me- metaphorical God is trying to punish me by making it right. rain or, right. uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm stuck in this big box store because I'm the worst and I'm blaming myself. Yep. Yep. Instead, I had fun each step of the way. While I was mm-hmm. walking in the rain, I was like, this is it. This is happening. And mm-hmm. it's okay. I'm walking in the rain back for the second time trying to go get right. my food. But that's okay. Right. That's yeah. okay. No, I I love that. Um, first of all, shout out to all my Philly people. I know last night was a, a rough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. My fam was <laughs> that, not happy, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I you know, again, I think you're reinforcing a really important point, which is that, and I, I'm, I'm assuming this, I'm, you know, so tell me if I'm wrong, but I know if, if I were in your scenario and kind of talking about going back to what I was saying too, about some of the challenges with, you know, neurodivergent minds, and maybe I'll speak to it directly in a couple of seconds, but like you talked about, you know, you know, experiencing joy kind of along the way. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, again, for me, I know that there would still have been times when I've been annoyed, like, oh, dang, man, I got, I got to wait, right? Like, I came back, I thought, I can still experience joy despite that emotion or that thought coming up, right? And that yes. is a huge, huge thing because sometimes we can experience that thought and that kind of spirals because now we're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling bad about this thing. Why am I feeling and right? And it just kind of like spirals, whatever your spiral may look like, right? Um, and, you know, I'll just kind of call this out, you know, and I don't mean call it out like as if it's this some sort of like 
uh, adversarial aspect to it, but I just mean, I'm just going to speak to this, which is that I know that, uh, you know, some people may refer to it as like rejection sensitivity. I learned a term, I don't know, a couple of days ago where people were calling it, um, emotional, uh, emotional permanence. Yeah, um, I've right, heard of which, yeah, right. I'd never heard of it either. But basically, this woman, she was describing emotional permanence in the same way that we people experience uh, object permanence, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and again, for those who don't know, right, that's like the basic concept, like with kids, the reason why peekaboo was such a, a great game for them is that when you cover your face for them, it's like you've kind of like disappeared, right? It's like, whoop, this thing is is gone. Um, and t- once they realize, like, obviously, right now, you play peekaboo, it wouldn't be the same kind of joy, right? It might be right, silly and right. fun, right? But it wouldn't have the same kind of joy. <laughs> but that's kind of the thing. At some point, you know, the human mind realizes, oh, that thing is still there, right? I can understand that that's still there. And emotional, so emotional permanence is this experience around people who, um, if, for example, their girlfriend, boyfriend, whomever, their partner, right? is not there to reinforce that love. I'm just, I'm like oversimplifying, right? But like, if you're not there to tell me that you love me, I may not recognize that. And I may experience certain, you know, emotions around the fact that like, I'm questioning, right? As opposed to being like, just before such and such left out, they kissed me, they hugged me, they told me they loved me. That still sits with me. It's still here. I recognize Mm -hmm. that. Um, and so that was kind of a fascinating, like, oh yeah, you know, I can, I got, it got my mind kind of thinking, but <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sharing these things because again, if these are things that you're experiencing and maybe that you're prone to some of, you know, if those things come up, like you may never be able to get rid of that per se, right. But you have an opportunity to, again, through the healing and thriving journey to say, this thing came up, I recognize it as what it is. I'm going to however choose to this other path right and how do i get to, to get my mind right to choose right this other path because um i recognize that for what it is and i'm i recognize that as a part of myself too because sometimes people again i'm not trying to like belabor this point but like sometimes people try to like uh cut out that piece of them and when it doesn't go away they feel terrible they're like spending all these years beating themselves up because that thing is still there and it's like excuse me maybe the goal isn't for it to be completely cut away maybe it's for it to be acknowledged and you know and named right named right and named right exactly acknowledged and named and said i you know i always go back to this roomy you know the roomy poem about the you know the house you know the house guests right when it's like Uh, they can't see me i'm i'm doing elation movements (laughs) where my hands are flaring in the air because i love roomy i actually have yeah yeah i i I absolutely love roomy yeah this go go for it you were were mentioning yeah 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 yeah, no i'm 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 I'm, oh yeah yep showing showing up roomy yes there we go so like Again, being able to welcome all those emotional guests in the the good, you know, the quote unquote good or bad, um, but you know, the anger, the the happiness, all those things, let them them come through your door. And um, actually, just, just very quickly, it's also reminding me when we were talking about Grand Theft Auto, right? Like this is what I this is what's so fascinating, so paradoxical about the human experience is that mm-hmm. we can say like I I acknowledge that this isn't like I I played God of War the other day, right? 
God of War, super brutal. But particularly the the recent versions of God of War, oh my gosh, the story, the the, the, the empathy, the, the the right, the storytelling about the human experience, oh my gosh, like just so deep, right? And so it's okay to live with those complexities, right? If you can kind of again, as you said, name them, right? If you can kind of know this is a thing. Like I'm not actually going to go and try to chop off, you know, somebody's arms and legs, right? Like that's not what I'm going to do. Um and if I enjoy playing a game that includes that, that doesn't directly mean that I'm, you know, this this bad person or whatever. Um but anyway, like I said, I, I'm I'm kind of going on and on. But I, I'll just say that again, I just love again talking about holding all those complexities and recognizing that um we'll have these emotions and it's okay to have those emotions. It's perfectly fine to have mm-hmm. those emotions. Um, but we, you know, we still need to do the work to, to name them and find a space, a healthy space for them to exist um, so that we don't go into those spirals. So, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the time. Uh, I borrowed a lot of your time. I, I, I've got maybe like one more question for you, but I didn't, I wanted oh. to also leave space if you wanted to say, um, anything else about, about what I just, you know, what we were just talking about, I should say. You know, all, all I'll add is name it, call it out and accept that it's happening. You know, yeah. Even if it's not the, not the best thing, find the joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, before you tell us about, you know, any projects that you got going on and, um, I'm hoping that, you know, in the future, we got to, we got to get you back on uh, that. This is, you know, been an amazing conversation. Um, but before this time that, you know, we, we end, I wanted to ask you like, maybe what are like two things that you wish the world knew or, or built more capacity for? And I, I think I kind of oh, yeah. might know, but, but, but yeah, tell me, tell me what you, what you're thinking. So I wish we had more capacity for people who are different. Start there. Mm. It's a mm-hmm. high level, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's mm-hmm. take it a little lower. Mm-hmm. And when I say capacity, I mean capacity for the wide range of differences. You know, mm-hmm. um, we were talking, you know, earlier uh, just about kind of some of the topics that we would go through. And when I saw that you were, you know, we, that we were discussing what we face as, as black people, as black men, mm-hmm. it it really um, it really is close to my heart. I spent a lot of my formative years uh, in, in support with my family as well, but also with a, a white Lutheran family mm. from Germany. Mm-hmm. And I was born in Germany, so there's a lot of connection there too. And every time I think about my godmother, I'm reminded about how she creates capa- you know, space for m- me being me as well as my, everyone in my family, not in a tokenization way, mm-hmm. in a true, I love this human being that's different technically from me, but has no difference at all. And specifically for me, and I'm, I'm glad that I can actually express this because it happened recently. As mm-hmm. a black man, I have to think about, and, and the way I, I, I'm built, you know, I, I look like a, medium-sized ball player 
Take that with you, Will. Maybe footballer in the UK. You know, they're, a little, they're, not, they're not as tall as everybody. Uh, but I have to, and I'm not saying make myself small, but I have to be unnecessarily cognizant about how I show up in the world in certain situations that other people don't have to. And yes, yes. just recently, I was on a path to my vehicle and a uh, two women, one woman of color, uh, one white woman, was in on that same path. I had to um, really think about how am I showing up for them? And there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into that. Mm-hmm. One is, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know what the challenges is. I, I am learning and mm-hmm. I'm doing my best to show up as best I can, teach my son how to be a gentleman mm-hmm. and how to show up the best he, he can. Same thing with my, my daughter to be the best woman she can, but then not to be that powerful black woman that's, never hurt Mm -hmm. so i'm trying Mm -hmm. so i'm teaching Mm -hmm. all all that so what i'm saying is there's so much complexity in these in this decision that i'm about to tell you that i made Mm -hmm. including have these women been wronged by men Mm -hmm. on the other side is the Mm -hmm. the uh white woman does she have a uh an implicit bias towards Mm -hmm. me does Mm -hmm. has she been affected negatively by someone who looks like me. All of these complexities go into my head. And so while we're on this same path, I divert. Mm-hmm. I divert and go around. And in a way that makes it makes my presence and my, I guess, energy, hopefully put them in a place of ease that I'm not following them, that I'm not going to harm them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Or I'm just not up to no good or whatever, whatever. But I have to think about that while other people are thinking about the season finale of Friends from 50 right. years, 30 years ago. And right. I'm not saying that. To, I'm, I'm saying that on a recency thing. That's a recency uh, bias because yeah, of a movie yes. that uses Friends. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going yeah. to talk about the end of that movie. But <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's just a recency bias there. But just being a black person who has, who's grown up, you know, with the challenges I've had and specifically mm-hmm. the yay people say oh you speak so well and i'm not saying that as a down thing i, I say people mm-hmm. say that in relation right. to when they find out about my history mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i had to work on that but then also once now that now that i've worked on that there's another group that is kind of like well you speak so well mm-hmm. you see how that sounds different mm-hmm. that feels mm-hmm. a little different mm-hmm. and we don't have enough space for for people to be different. We use a lot of heuristics and schema and stereotypes and yep. Yep. easy pathways. Take a break from those drawn out, crappy medieval pathways, build new ones, build space for people, regardless of their sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. If they're mm-hmm. transgender, I-D-G-A-F, they are humans mm-hmm. too, having mm-hmm. a unique experience if they're neurodivergent, we got to leave out all this because you're different. That gives me the right as a person who's not different mm-hmm. to subject you to many words that typically mean bad things. Yeah. So I won't leave it on bad things because that. I, no, 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 no. So oh. Yeah. So I'll say one, one, one more good thing, which yes. is that the great thing is specifically about being a black man is that, oh, I talked about this earlier. My privilege. Mm-hmm. I have some incredible privilege. If mm-hmm. I go into a Y right now 
and there's no other, you know, NBA players, I'm getting picked up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting picked up. All right, let's run. Right. On the other side. On the other side, I got a lot of privilege when I wear some some really wacky and sometimes unusual things. Like right now, mm-hmm. I am rocking a pink fuchsia kind of uh, it's a unicorn, you know, mm. but it, it blows out a like a, uh, a yeah. bubble full of glitter. Mm-hmm. I carry these around with me, and so, but because I'm a black man, some people they don't know what to take from it. They're like, what's mm-hmm. your sexual orientation? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, no, I'm just a guy who likes unicorns. Mm-hmm. And, but me being me and me being a black man, sometimes I don't get approached as much, you mm-hmm. know, whereas I've seen my friends who have been approached or slightly disrespected or undermined. And then to flip back one last thing on the bad side, mm. the microaggressions mm-hmm. are happening more. And sometimes they're not even microaggressions, they're micro inconsiderations. Mm. And I am trying to be better at my micro inconsiderations. Mm-hmm. Meaning, when am I not being considered of another human where I can make their life a little bit better than it was a moment before? Ah, you, yeah, man. Um, yeah. Everything you said was amazing. And actually, before I forget, because I, I, for, for, for the listeners, right, they know that I am, uh, I've called myself a Bell Hooks disciple. And so one of the things you talked about reminded me of one of my, you know, favorite, I think it's one of my favorite Bell Hooks quotes, because I think it's super insightful from multiple angles. And so if you don't mind, I'm just going to share this. Um, you know, she, she spoke about, she says, the fear of maleness that they inspire estranges men from every female in their lives to a greater or lesser to greater or lesser degrees and men feel the loss and i i'm reading that because even just in that line is a couple of different uh, there's more to it but for me there's so much power in in that because one it's speaking to the fact that you know there is this thing within the patriarchy within you know some men that creates what you talked about right that 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 fear and it's real and so it centers that feeling and understanding like okay like i have to understand that that's a part of what's happening in front of me but there's also this aspect of you know men feel that loss as well and so she goes on to say you know ultimately one of the emotional costs of allegiance to patriarchy is to be seen as unworthy of trust if women and girls and the in patriarchal culture are taught to see every male, including the males with whom we are intimate, as potential rapists and murderers, then we cannot offer them our trust. And without trust, there is no love. And I love this quote because it's from The Will to Change. Uh, it's funny, I was just talking to my friend earlier about how that's like, I got to go back and reread that. It's just such a, a powerful book. But for me, just that was just, you know, a lot of what you just talked about, you know, as you, I know for me, to be quite honest, um, and actually as a as a black man, two reasons a lot of times, and I'll say this, like when I see white women, a lot of times I'm walking, I'll cross the street. Some of that is for them. Some of them, that's me. Mm-hmm. Because I have had instances where I'm just walking, minding my business. And, and, and we don't have to go through the whole, you know, Emmett Till conversations, right? Like there are things for me 
why I do that. But I'm also a man who is cognizant enough, you know, I'll say that sometimes I'm walking and I'll see women and I'm maybe trying to, you know, just give a polite nod or whatever. And I can see the distinct, like, there's this energy to look away because I don't, I don't know who you are. And I could take that personally, like, oh, mm. and it's like, wait, these are women living an experience that I don't have to personally deal with, you know, because of my privilege. And instead of me kind of getting caught up in my feelings about, you know, pulling out, you know, bell hooks book out, look, you know, I'm an ally. Which is, if you say it, you're pretty <laughs> right. much. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You pull out the bell hooks book. Right. So, um, but, but yeah, like instead of me kind of getting into that energy, I can say, that's all that was. Right. And also to feel some, com- like some compassion around that, that you would have to every single time, you know, feel like I, I, I'm not even taking the chance. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but I think again, you going back and, 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 and just overall talking about adding the capacity for, for folks that are different and recognizing how we feel people are different where maybe there is a difference, but then sometimes where that difference doesn't make somebody like, I think the the problem becomes is when it becomes from, goes from somebody being different to somebody being othered. Right. Oh, um, definitely. Right. You yeah, can, that's, you can systematically get others out of the pain as we've seen right. in history. Exactly. And so that for me is the understanding that that line, right? Like, because the, the the human mind, again, it's the, the complexity, the paradox of the human mind is that we want to categorize stuff, right? We want to kind of fit like a, when you talk about schema, this is schema is definitely going to come up. And this, this series about self-awareness is 100% going to come up, right? Because it is definitely one of those things that a lot of people, again, are just not aware of about how they are, you know, conceptualizing things and how a lot of that stuff was framed when they were young. And so they go into the world again, completely unaware that, you know, whatever it is, I mean, um, again, let me just talk about black men, like all the black men I heard about, right, were this, this, and this, all the black people, all black men in my family were this, this, and this, and never really kind of questioning, and I'm not even talking about necessarily, like, even for me, I'll say, like, not necessarily my personal story, but if I said, like, my uncle's were like this, not necessarily like a, a gendered scenario. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm clear about that. It's like my mm-hmm. uncles are like this. My dad behaved like that. So when I go out into the world, when I'm relating to other men, particularly older men, this is, you know, kind of what I should expect. And this is how I'm going to operate. And it's like, well, hold on. <laughs> Does that really make sense? You know. I have an 80 year, I've said this, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but if not, like I've, I've got an 80 year old uncle who rarely, if ever has told me that he loved me, like said those words. I say it to mm-hmm. him, love you, unk. Every time I get a chance to see him, love you, unk, blah, 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 blah. Text him, love you, unk. Now I, me, I know that he loves me. There's no question about that. He's again, even if he doesn't use those words, I can I see I can see his difference as again this opportunity to be like, well, why don't you fit again this schema? Everybody's supposed to tell each other that they love you. Yeah. Right. 
I can, you know, we can go on for days about that, but I just, I just loved again, what you, what you, you just talked about and just bringing that to light and understanding that there's an increased capacity for, you know, compassion and empathy around our differences. And, and I think it starts again with looking at ourselves to see how we're showing up and how somebody else might see us as different and say, Oh, yeah. you know, so like you're so, different yeah. and, and that, and, and I know I've said it before, but yeah. you're different and that's okay. Right. And you're showing up different and I'm not going to try to punish you for it because yes. I'm scared. And yes. Yes. I've been in situations so many times I, I, I've run the, the spectrum to where mm-hmm. I've been in, um, in connection with someone, this is actually an interesting story. I was in a connection with someone. We were doing we doing a seminar, and I got paired with a with an with an older um, European lady, and mm-hmm. she shared with me that really vulnerable, really mm-hmm. like just being like being empathetic and like saying like, all right, I'm I'm trying to be in compassion, which I believe the etymology of the word is like calm is like um, well, passion is like suffering. Mm-hmm. Calm mm-hmm. is like together. So it's like suffering together or struggle Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And so she said, I want to bring you in and say that I had a terrible experience where I was harmed by a man who looked similar to you. Mm -hmm. And now, now mind you, while we're doing this, we're at a seminar. I'm literally holding her hands. I can't run. Like I can't say, Oh gosh, let me move away. Instead I softened. And I said, this is, she had a different experience. That's all right. I want to know. So I asked her about it. She told me about it. And I said, why did you feel the need to tell me? She said, because when we were paired together, you, you know, you, you gestured, you smiled, you did the, the things that I didn't expect you to do. Mm. And you made me feel comfortable. And so I wanted to make sure to tell you. And the moral isn't to try to make everyone feel comfortable. But what I learned from that is how I show up in the world matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how I, my energy that I put out in the world really comes back to me. So mm-hmm. if I'm putting out that I don't want to talk to anybody who's different from me, and this goes across the spectrum, political ideology, religious ideology, food ideology. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. not talking to any meat eaters. <laughs> right, I'm right. a vegetarian. <laughs> right. And do by doing that, you cut yourself off from so much. I've learned so much from people who are different from me more than the group of people that I connect with that know everything about me. I've learned so much from the difference. So make make space and then be be fine with it. And I love that in your example where that happened for you, you didn't take it personally because for people of a certain age, there's this thing that used to happen years mm-hmm. ago called, let's see, you had, you had Freak Nick in the 90s. Never went. As right. I was like young, and then right. there was like bike rally and keep mm-hmm. going. You know, there's all these events. The Greek, yeah, and yeah. Oh, Greek picnics. You know, yeah. Okay, so yeah. all of these events, I noticed something. I didn't notice it until I, I was like, of course, my brain had fully developed. I was over 25. Mm-hmm. Interesting people, keep that in mind. Stop <laughs> saying I'm grown when you're 18. Your brain's not fully developed, <laughs> right? Just because you pay bills doesn't make you grown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I, this can be a little antagonistic. I'm also yeah. talking to myself because I said I was grown at 18 mm-hmm. and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But at mm-hmm. 25, I noticed and I was talking about, the, you know, all those events where those, you know, those men would take things personal. You know, mm-hmm. they try to, hey, you know, 
Hey, Ma. Hey, Shorty. You know, different. I'm going different, uh, different years in, in that right, terminology. Right, right, different years. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yep. Different year. You know what I'm saying? And they're doing that, and then they take it personally when someone says no or or moves away. And then mm-hmm. when I the first, I remember the first time I noticed it, and I was disgusted that somebody was taking it personally because that wasn't what that person wanted, and they violated their space. They vi- they may have violated them by touching them. They may have violated them by uh, verbally accosting them or, or verbally you know saying mm-hmm. negative things mm-hmm. to them. And it's like, wh- how have we lost the human decency to just accept this woman doesn't want you holding her hand? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? There? Anyway, I yeah. don't. I don't well, know. I don't have the answer to these questions. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, maybe we'll we'll circle back, like I said later, when we we can d- dig some more into that. Because, like I said, I think, I mean, honestly, there were questions we didn't even get to. There's so much more to chat, but I just love our conversations so much. Um, and like I said, I'm going to give you one last, you know, the last opportunity to just say. You know, again, if there's any projects that you're, you know, you're working on that, you know, you want folks to know about, if there's ways for folks to, to follow or connect with you, you know, go ahead, please, please tell folks about it. Sure. So this is my usual rundown. I'm mm-hmm. um, only on one social, which isn't technically a social. Some people see it as a resume builder. It's called LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of, that's kind of the only social that I'm a part of. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn as David Hester Jr. Uh, uh, please go to my uh my organization, Musing U, M-U-S-I-G, the letter U. And you can you know, find my entire bio there, which will connect you with my other projects. Uh, I've got a couple of neural devices and research into the neuroscience of uh, engineering flow that I'm wor- uh, working on with an organization. Follow me as well on, if you're on YouTube, I, we do a connect podcast through Life Guides as well. You can check that out. Uh, that's it. Not really big with promo. Typically, yeah. let that happen for other people. But if you want to drop a line, you know, feel free to. Yes, yes, please do. Like I said, I'll put all this stuff into the show notes. Um, and that's definitely one of the things. Like I said, when we get a chance to circle back, is to talk more about tech side because one of the things we connected on, right? We're both, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, we've got a lot in common, but um, I mean, a, a lot. But the the tech part and and leveraging that, I think I've told you before, like my personal you know uh belief is that i was put here to leverage technology to create a more equitable just and joyous world and so i definitely want to hear about you know the neural stuff that you're working on or expound some more upon that and um you know can keep talking about all this fun stuff but um dave thank you so much for for coming through thank you so much for making you know the time and um yeah man like i said let's stay connected and uh you know hopefully i know that everybody enjoys this. i'm not even gonna say hopefully everybody enjoyed this we'll see you all in the next episode uh thanks thank you for joining me for another episode of i must be Bucky. i hope you've learned something became curious and most importantly felt affirmed by what you heard remember This podcast is all about sharing compassionate narratives about who we are and how we contribute to the beautiful and necessary diversity of humanity. This is our place to unmask and just be. Don't forget to connect with me on IG at I Must Be Buggin', where I'm eager to see you share your thoughts, your experiences, and your stories. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Leave a review and subscribe. It helps others who are eager for community find our people. So thank you again for being a part of the I Must Be Bugging community. I can't wait for the next episode. 
Until then, stay up and enjoy who you were meant to be. And remember, you're not bugging, you're brilliant.